as most of you are aware, uh, we've been trying to talk some about uh, what God's vision for the church is and what uh, what He would have us, how He would have us. I think look at this this uh, assembly of saints that we call the church that we gather together on Sunday mornings, uh, but uh, it's not just a shouldn't be just a Sunday morning gathering, but uh, uh, a part of uh, a part of a body, a building that we're a part of. Uh, all week long, uh, and that we're reminded of the fact that we're a contributing member of that body and of that building as we go through each and every day. We've talked about the fact that uh, that God's Word has told us that uh, uh, that what some of the things that can hinder us are our lack of faith and our lack of belief in God. Uh, we know for a fact that uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. We also know that where an unbelief was present, even in the city of Nazareth where Jesus was born, and even in the, among the children of Israel when they were about to enter into Canaan's land, they weren't allowed to enter in because of unbelief. <coughs> and Jesus did no mighty works in the city of Nazareth in his day because of the unbelief of that city. And so uh, as we've thought about that, and we've gone through some portions of Scripture that help us to think about uh, the fact that uh, we're part of a building, uh, that we're founded upon the rock of Jesus Christ, uh, that we're then building upon the apostles and uh, all, of our, all of our lives and how we function here in this world uh, successfully uh, from a godly standpoint uh, goes back to how well we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and of the apostles and the prophets and those that have gone before us and how we build our lives upon that. And every man's uh, uh, building will, be, will reveal what he is built with because when the storms of life come and the troubles of life come, <coughs> you know, are you washed away by the storm? Uh, like it says there in uh, Matthew chapter 7, are you, are you founded upon a rock so that when the storms beat and the waves come and the winds blow, uh, that your, ha- your house is still standing? And I, that's my desire for all of you because we live in a troublesome world. Uh, if we just think about all the things of the death and cancers and things that have gone on in our lives in recent years and recent months, a lot of things, da- uh, storms dash against our houses. Uh, and beat upon us, but are we still standing strong when the storm's over? Uh, can we can we go through that storm and still be and still be strong and firm and uh, trust in God and have faith in the things of, of God even through all of that? Or does it, or do the storms of life just kind of knock knock our uh, lives out from under us? And what are we built upon? Uh, it, it has a great dependency upon that. So one of the metaphors in Scripture talks about how the fact that uh, God's church is compared to a building that rightly framed together, each and every member supplying the part that it should supply, uh, built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and upon the doctrine of the apostles, that is to be where we begin to build our lives as a church. And as a church, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned this, I guess, some last week, but to think about the church is us. It's not some you know, some mythical dream or some kind of, you know, body out there to think about. It's you and me. So when we talk about what is our church built upon, we're talking about us. <laughs> what are what are you and I now? As a body, we're to be together in unity. And that's where we get over into the example of the metaphor that's used in scriptures of the body. Each member having a different role, maybe a different part. But every part of it working together in unity for the for the good of not only God's kingdom here in this world, uh, but for the unity of the spirit and faith of the of the church here uh, in this community and in our in our homes and our families, it carries right down to that unit. I think into our marriages and our homes and our families. What are we built upon? What are we? Uh, how are we working together in unity one with another? Uh, and how are we are we striving to let the the gospel of Jesus Christ go out into this community because of of our beliefs, our our love for one another, and our love for Him. So all of those things kind of began to work together. And last week we talked a little bit about uh, the body's examples that are laid out in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. If you weren't here to hear that, you can go back and read through that portion of the Romans chapter 12. Uh, Then we began to look at some things that we find laid out in the uh, 4th chapter of the book of Ephesians. 
probably got most of the way through that, but I'd like to just kind of review that before we go on to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians this morning and begin to look at the the examples of the body that are laid out there. So here in the 4th chapter of the the book of Ephesians, it talks about uh, that... uh, that Paul talks about the fact that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Again, both Romans and and uh, and Ephesians are talking about the fact that you've got uh, what has traditionally been groups of people that have been separated uh, by their by their culture, their heritage, uh, Jews and Gentiles. But now, uh, through the through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the blessings of Him bringing uh, the New Testament church into existence, these bodies are now worshiping together. We'll see that even further. Uh, how uh, the conflict of uh, of diversities of people come into can come into play over in First Corinthians chapter twelve, and thinking about the church at Corinth and the things that they were facing there at Corinth. But yet, Paul is urging them for their for their churches, whether it be the Roman Roman church or whether it be the church at Ephesus, you know, to come together <clears throat> and to worship together. Uh, I mentioned this here before, you know, but uh, uh, if we had a, a ethnic diversity here, even more so than what we have, we're a diverse group of people, <laughs> even as we sit here this morning. Different raisings, different backgrounds, different families. Yet when we come together here at the church, that's not to be that we're sitting here talking about, well, you're different from me and you're different from me and you're different from me. We're just be sitting here talking about how we're one in Jesus Christ and how that's to be the foundation of our lives and to be the foundations of our families and the foundations of our churches and how we're living our lives and going through that. So uh, unlike the political world of today where we all get together and talk about how different we are, let's talk about how alike we are here in the in the church and uh, we're the alike because of uh, Jesus Christ and because of his death for us and how we were in him. So he, he begins to pull this together here in, in the, the Ephesian letter, talks about them being to, being together. He says, uh, therefore, talking about himself and how he tried to uh, work together to be able to pray for these people uh, to the one that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So I had somebody tell me one time, says, you just don't know how big I can think. Well, uh, I can tell you however big you can think about what God can do for you, God's able to do it. Um, so uh, to him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages and world without end. Amen. So he says, beginning chapter 4 now of Ephesians, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith your call. So he begins to go into this whole thing about where to walk like we like the calling we have. You've been called from a death in sins to a life in Christ. You've been called to a vocation to be a, a servant of God, to be called into being a, a part of his kingdom. Walk like you're a part of that. You know, uh, uh, today when we think about uh, walking a certain way or whatever, you think about, uh, you know, I, I guess I, my Brody's out here, you know what I think about? You know, at Corner High School, uh, there's certain ways that probably people act. If you go back over to other places where we've gone to school and so forth, and it says, uh, walk worthy of that calling. Well, you know, uh, he's, he's, wor- he's there at uh, school. There's a certain way that uh, they conduct themselves there. But you think about this now, we're not, at, we're not at school. We're called from a death in sins by the power of the voice of God, uh, by His choice. And He says, walk like you have a calling. Uh, today, sometimes when we're raising up our children, you know, we used to try to try to ingrain certain things in them as they were growing up. And we'd try to talk about, you're part of this family. You're representing this family when you're at school and so forth. You're part of this group. Remember remember what your name is and uh, and what you're, what you're doing. Now, well, all of us as children of God are representing the family of Jesus Christ every day. People know that you go to church. People know that you attend. Uh, people know that you uh, profess to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Walk like it. So he tells us here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you or beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you call. And he says, now then, <clears throat> today while we might think about this uh, when we're walking worthy, I guess another thing that comes to my mind is, you know, Alabama fans have a certain way they conduct and they carry themselves uh, well, he says that our, if we think about uh, being called of God and the vocation that we're called, he says, 
don't do it like, uh, look at me and look who I am. I'm a child of God. He says, do it with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So while, while the world a lot of times thinks that when you carry yourself a certain way, you're like, look at me, look what I've done, look who I am, where I'm going, what I, where I want to be. He says, in, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of this, uh, this body here that's under consideration as a part of the church, we're to conduct ourselves with all lowliness, all meekness, uh, with long-suffering. Boy, today. <laughs> Again, think about the different mindset we're talking about here because we're talking about the church and about God's people. Long-suffering is, is not a mode of thinking in people's minds today. Uh, nobody wants to, uh, I want my results and I want it now and I want you to do this uh, your, this way and I want it right now. Nobody thinks about long-suffering. Sometimes, uh, you know, parents... <laughs> Parents, you know, sometimes they want the children to be obedient. They want them to be obedient right now. They want them to do everything right now. And I'm not saying having, uh, uh, you know, the kind of the old deal about, well, if you don't expect them to do it, they won't do anything. Okay. But, you know, there's a lot of long suffering has to go into all that. Have to tell them. You have to tell them again. You have to show them. You have to show them again. You have to teach them. You have to teach them again. And you just have to keep on long suffering with this thing. Because why? Uh, as I as I made some comment when I was talking and preaching about being parents here probably 15, 20 years ago. Uh, when I probably actually didn't know anything but thought I might have known something. Uh, you know, but I did make this comment somewhere along the way. Uh, for these parents out here that sometimes lose track of the fact uh, they're thinking, I'm raising a two-year-old. No, you're not. You're raising a 21-year-old. Uh, you're raising an 18-year-old. You're, ra- you're not raising a five-year-old or a two-year-old. Your goal is way out there. And I'll tell you, if you forget that, sometimes you get bogged down in the two-year-old's driving me crazy. <laughs> the five-year-old's driving me nuts. The seven-year-old's is running, is losing, causing me to lose my patience. Long suffering. Keep going, guys. Keep working at it. Keep laboring. God will continue to bless and give you strength and wisdom. Be in prayer. <laughs> Stay in the Word of God. <laughs> and and the God will continue to guide you on all this. But anyway, he says, uh, we then, Paul's begging them that they walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they're called. Because they're not called just to be plumbers and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and linemen and uh, uh, farmers and fishermen and all that. They're called to be children of God. They're called to be, these guys in particular, uh, uh, they're, they're called upon to be uh, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of His. Walk worthy of the vocation. We can't walk worthy of the vocation of being a child of God and of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ if we don't open the book up. You can't learn. You can't learn anything about how to be a follower if you don't read the Word of God. Listen to the sermons. Follow back. Go into these things. Walk worthy of your vocation. You're called to be a follower of Him. Uh, take it on. Enjoy it. Uh, relish it. Uh, try to get better at it. Uh, so he says, uh, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, and do it with all lowliness, with all meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Man, uh, uh, that sounds like the kind of church where I want to be, right? A unity of the Spirit. We're all together spiritually, and we have a bond of peace together among us. We all get along. We like each other. We enjoy being around each other. We have fun with each other. There's a peace that settles over us. I like that. Oh, and our, uh, so that we, uh, we're, you know, don't lose track of the fact uh, uh, this church is, they're long-suffering with each other. Oh, you mean our church members sometimes are not going to, and our fellow members of our body are not going to always uh, conduct themselves and act like we think they should? That's right. <laughs> they're uh, they're going to fail, uh, uh, and we're to be long-suffering there with them, there to pick them up, help them along the way, strengthen them for the journey, uh, and help, help carry them in times of trouble. So he says, do this with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, uh, one body, uh, one spirit. Uh, we can't uh, we can't go on all and on and just say, uh, "Well, I'm not part of this and I'm not part of that." There's one body, one spirit. Uh, uh, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, 
What's the hope of our calling? Jesus Christ, a resurrected Savior. I was thinking about I was thinking about it this morning. You know, think uh, some, sometimes my mind was thinking about uh, how sometimes people are treated and how they're done. I got to thinking about my Savior and thinking about the, the this is the time of the year when we celebrate His birth, but there's a time of the year where we also celebrate His death and His burial. Uh, but you know, uh, when when the time comes for Easter, maybe as we're thinking about today, uh, this one hope of our calling, uh, do we get do we go around and celebrate Jesus Christ is dead? We don't celebrate the best man that ever lived on the face of this earth. We don't go around celebrating the fact he's dead. We celebrate the fact he's resurrected. Oh, man, that's what I want to celebrate. We're called in one hope of the calling, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one that conquered death, the one that's seated on the right hand of the throne of God. That's who we're celebrating. That's who we're enjoying. We don't go around and say, well, the best man that ever lived died. No, the best man that ever lived is alive. The best man that ever lived is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. He's resurrected. That's the one hope of our calling that we can enjoy here this morning. So there's one body, one spirit, uh, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, uh, one God, one Father of all who is above all and through you all and in you all. I'm telling you, uh, together you can see there's a unity that's taught there in that portion of Ephesians, that as we think about who are we, who are we as God's children, as God's family, there's just one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, uh, So as we think about all that, we gather together and we say, we're together. This is our journey together here in this old world. We're the strength in each other. We're one building. We're one body laboring together, working together. You know, one of the greatest uh, problems that all of us have, and I'm going to say, you know, Charles is probably right up there among, amongst all of this, is, uh, is calling upon my brothers and sisters to say, I need your help. I need your help. I need your prayers. <laughs> I need your. I need your love. I need your strength. I need your. I need grace that comes from God. I, why? Why would I do that? Because we're together. We're all, uh, we're together in one body, one spirit, one mind, one, one accord. So he tells us, uh, but every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift. Uh, so we'll get into this more as we get over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But he goes on and talks about, you know, we all have different gifts. We talked about that in, in Romans chapter 12. Some people are given the gift of ministry. Some people are given the gift of encouragement. Some are given the gift of, uh, as we get on down here into the Ephesians, he talks about some are pastors, some are teachers, some are prophets, uh, some are uh, evangelists. Uh, all of us are given different gifts. Uh, and God gives us the grace for the gift that we have. So so whatever it might be that we're that we're that that God has blessed us with here, you know, uh, I, I can I can plead guilty back to the time when uh, when maybe sometimes I was thinking about the fact that maybe God was calling me into the ministry, and you think, uh, you know, can I do this? This verse of scripture right here tells me God gave me the grace. It's not that I have some fantastic ability among myself, but God's grace is sufficient to help me do what God calls me to do. Uh, if God's calling you to do, uh, be more active in some way as a part of this body and as part of this church, you've got the grace to do that. God will give it to you. Uh, so don't, don't sit back and say, well, I just can't do that. Uh, maybe God will give you the strength for the time that you need. So he says, uh, uh, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Uh, I always like to think about that. He led captivity captive. We were captive to Satan, my friends. Uh, uh, we were under his curse, under his spell from the time that we fell in the garden. Mankind was uh, held captive by him. Uh, but when he wrote, when Jesus Christ rose up on high and conquered death and showed that he had the power over death, uh, he led captivity captive to himself. Uh, he captured uh, those that were in captivity that the Father had given him. Uh, now they're led captive to Jesus Christ. Uh, so he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. And uh, and now he's ascended up. He, but now he ascended. Uh, what is it? But he also descended first uh, into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens 
that he might feel all things. So uh, people a lot of times have taken this. I, I, I like some, some things that I've heard on that. Uh, he descended to the lower parts of the earth. Uh, people go and say, well, he went down into hell. No, uh, uh, what he did, uh, uh, the lower lowest parts of the earth, talking about the very smallest cellular structure that you could think of, that's how he came into this whole world. As a part uh, placed in uh, placed inside Mary's womb, the lowest parts of the earth, he came in to be a part of that. That same one that was the, the lowest parts there, now is ascended up on high. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, 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 when we think about uh, that little babe over in uh, Bethlehem this time of the year, uh, uh, that was God Himself uh, lying in a manger. Uh, God Himself, uh, uh, the fullness of the Spirit, uh, uh, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Christ Jesus was there in Bethlehem in that little bitty baby. Now you want to... You want to you want to you want to think about if you stop and meditate upon that for just a minute, the very one who was upholding the world by the power of his word, upholding the universe by the power of his word, became a little bitty baby, and he was still upholding it by his word even while he was that little bitty baby in Bethlehem. That float that uh, that flips my brain around uh, to 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 some crazy places, uh, uh, but that's how powerful God is. Uh, so He says, and He gave some. So when He led captivity captive, He gave gifts unto men. Uh, it says, and He gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, uh, and some pastors and teachers, uh, and all of these gifts. All of these gifts that were given down through the ages, whether they were apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors and teachers, all of these gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what does that mean? The perfecting of the saints. I, I can hear, I'm here to tell you that word perfecting uh, does not mean that I caused you to become uh, from, a, from a dead sinner uh, uh, to a changed Christian who is now worthy of being in heaven by my work and by my power. No, uh, uh, what it means is this. Uh, uh, these gifts were given for the perfecting, and that word perfecting means maturing uh, of God's children. Uh, uh, just like parents are, are part of the calling of a parent, uh, is to be for the perfecting or the maturing of their children to train them up, to raise them up in the way that they should go. Part of the gift of the ministry of the pastor and teacher of the apostles and the prophets was to see God's children grow. Our, our goal is to see you grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and to grow in your life personally. Part of the thing that I've talked about here over the last number of weeks and talking about God's vision for the church our vision, our vision of ourselves here as we're a part of this body, a part of this assembly, is to be that we're growing, we're changing, we're different, and we're different in a good way uh, as we go out, to, as we go another year, as we look back on another year of our life. Am I... Am I, am I improving a little bit? Am I growing and increasing in my grace and knowledge of God? Am I more loving? Am I more charitable? Am I more forgiving? Uh, uh, am I more long-suffering? Uh, if I'm not, then I need to stop and take inventory of where I, where I am as a child of God. Am I growing in these things? So all of these gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, there's, a, there's an element here of us as a church... That's to be ministering to one another. So he says we're, these gifts were given for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So we're to be ministering as part of our calling from God, ministering to one another, ministering to those of our community, ministering to those that are sick, ministering to those that are our neighbors, uh, giving a good word. Uh, mentioning that we'll uh, we'll bring them forth in prayer, that we'll pray for them. You're ministering to that person, speaking words of encouragement and kindness uh, to one another. So uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, so what you begin to see here is kind of a threefold element of what uh, us as a church is supposed to be. Part of that is that we're, we ourselves are supposed to be growing. We are then, not only are we to be growing, but then we're also to be ministering outward to others. Part of our, part of our calling here as a child of God is to ourselves grow. Then as we grow, minister to others. And then secondly, we're to edify the body. 
We're to strengthen the body here together. Part of our growth as a child of God is so that I become a stronger part of this body that I'm a part of. Uh, so uh, all of us can sit around, you know, if we're not careful. And uh, I think that's one of the one of the flaws, you know, in the in the modern uh, churches, I guess you could call it. If you get, you know, so, you know, people can go to church and absolutely hide. They can go there and nobody knows they're there. Nobody knows when they're not there. Nobody knows anything about, you know, they're there, they're not there and so forth. Well, how can you be a part of growing and being a part of the edification of the body if nobody even knows you're there? <laughs> You've got to be edifying that body, to be an edifying part of that body. It's got to be known, are you here? Are you not here? And what are you doing for the body? <laughs> are you, you say, well, well, you know, as, as, as I've said before, you know, well, I'm just the little toe or I'm just the, okay, so the little toe is still important. <laughs> the appendix is important whether we know what its purpose is or not. Uh, it works as a part of the body uh, and uh, when it's gone uh, yeah you can continue to function but they're missing something god didn't put it there just to kind of hang out so uh, and to be removed when it got inflamed so uh he tells us here that we're to be growing as part of this body and we're do this the, the the gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of the christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man who is a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, do you begin to, do you begin to get a picture here of what we're to be? I mean, we're to not only be growing ourselves, ministering to others, edifying the body, then part of the work beyond that is as part of that body, we're to be coming to a unity, a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a mature man who's a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And see, uh, that's one of them, I'd be like, uh, Brother Sonny now, that's one of them, if you're, not, if you're not on video or if you're not here in person, you can't see my examples of what I'm trying to talk about. We're to become a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in our lives. As we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him, we're to become more like Him. I've said this before, you know, y'all have, y'all have probably seen these pictures uh, uh, before. You know, have you ever seen the people that have the pet, the pet animals, right? And they say, you know, they just love their pets. They care about their pets. And, and over a period of time, you know, you'll have a person with a picture made with their favorite dog. And you begin to see that there's a resemblance between them and the dog, right? Have y'all ever seen those, those, those kind of pictures, right? Where the, where, the, where the guy's sitting there, you know, or the lady's sitting there, she's got the long hair, then there's got this long-haired dog sitting there next to them, you know, there. You say, well, they do look a little familiar, uh, similar to each other. Uh, they've got some resemblance to each other. And then husbands and wives, you know, over 30 or 40 or 50 years, you know, they actually begin to look like each other and resemble one another. And you're saying, like, that's kind of strange, you know, how... But we're to be like that about Jesus Christ. Whereas we're growing up and maturing so that we become a measure of the stature of the fullness of Him. So that over a period of time, you look more like Him than you look like your family. People today say can say, well, you know, I've heard this. Uh, no people like, like this. You know, people say, well, you know, I come from kind of a dysfunctional family. Things are kind of messed up in my household. You know, there was mom and there's dad. There was this and there was that. You know what? But you got another family. You got a family of God. You got a family of the church. You got a family of Jesus Christ. And over a period of time, are we to be worried about more of looking like our natural family? Are we to be worried more about looking like our heavenly family? Uh, looking more like Jesus Christ so that we're a measure of the stature of the fullness of Him, growing up, being more like Him, and having that kind of compassion and caring and loving toward one another. He says. <clears throat> That we henceforth, why, why now? Let's, let's kind of summarize these verses. These gifts were given to the church so that we could, uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, for us to come to a unity of the faith uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature, perfect man, unto a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Every kind of teaching out there in the world. I'm not just talking about church teachings. I'm talking about 
t- teachings about how to live your life, uh, how to how to how to not be a good parent, <laughs> how to how to uh, all of these doctrines and teaching of men are out there influencing your way of thinking, influencing your way of looking at life, influencing the way you look at the world, and he says. Uh, I want you to grow up to be a mature child of God so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or teaching that comes down the road so that you become confused. Do you know, we were, I was having a conversation yesterday. We had had a little birthday party, those of you that were there, uh, for Levi. Uh, Levi will be one in a day or two. Wow, can you believe that, right? Uh, and uh, so, uh, so we're over there and we're sitting around the table talking, you know, talking about... Uh, uh, I read an article this week. Yes, you know, they'll come get me one of these days or whatever. But I, re- I read an article this week, you know, and they're talking about, did I say, I'll just say a church. Y- y'all can go look. A church has decided uh, that what they, they're going to do is they're going to have uh, baptismal dedication, or rededications for people that are transforming in their lives. So if they're going through a transition, I'm not talking about transitioning from young to old. Y'all get the idea. If you don't, you'll figure it out. Uh, so that they go back and rededicate their lives as they've gone through this transition in their lives. And I'm like, you know, there's this thing that occurs to me. Y'all know what this is, right? This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. When the Word of God is no longer the basis of what we're doing here and what we're teaching here, you might as well let me just write down anything and everything and just say, okay, let's just, uh, this is the teachings of Charles. And so uh, uh, y'all can figure out how much wisdom there is in that and we'll just go on with it down the road. I'll tell you, uh, the, if, when we're, if you're calling yourselves a church of God, and you begin to teach things that are totally contrary to the Word of God. You may be a you may be an organization of some kind, but you're no longer a church of God. <laughs> and so uh, he tells us here that we're not to be henceforth children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine out there in the world by the slight of men. Oh, you mean are there people out there will try to deceive you? <laughs> Uh, I got news for you if you hadn't figured it out yet. Yes. Uh, By the slight of men, by the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But he says, for us, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're to grow up into him. We're to grow up into our head, grow up into Christ, uh, uh, the, le- the leader of our, uh, of our church, uh, the leader of, the, of this group of people that call themselves Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. We're to actually grow up into him in all things so that we're more like him. <clears throat> so he tells us, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in him from whom the whole body, there we go, verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now I'm telling you that verse 16 is packed. It's power packed. Uh, the whole body is joined together. It's compacted by that which every joint supplies, uh, you know, they're learning more and more and more and more in medical science all the time about what every little part is supplying, every cell, every little uh, part of the body is supplying something. He says it's compacted together uh, to the effectual working of the measure of every part, making increase of the body. So uh, whatever part of the body that you think you might be, or whatever you feel like God's called you to be as part of the body of the church, it's important that you're supplying the part to the edifying of the body itself. Be, it, be an edification. Be a, be, a, be a good part of the body. <laughs> don't, be a, don't be a sick part of the body. Don't be a part of the body that's causing it to have a fever. <laughs> don't be a part of, the, part of the body that's causing it to throw up. <laughs> don't be a part of the body that's causing convulsions in the body. Be a part of the body that's edifying. 
edifying. Every part compacted together, edifying. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. So the body is to be working together. Uh, if I had to summarize this fourth chapter, the twelfth chapter, we've got different gifts. Great. Uh, you know, if everybody had the same gift, uh, it would kind of become confusing here probably for us. Uh, but every one of us have a different gift. And just remember this, and I think we'll see this as we get to a place over in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. You know, every, every part of the body, every part of this body. Remember that God has placed you here? Huh. God has actually placed us here in, the, in this body. And so, yeah, uh, you're, an important, you're an important part. How do I know that you're an important part of this church and this body? God's placed you here. God's placed you here for purpose. God's placed you here for a reason. So uh, let's let's uh, let's carry that out. Now, chapter twelve, First Corinthians. Now, before I get into this uh, totally, uh, let me just let me kind of bracket First uh, Corinthians letter with with this comment. If we go back and look, the church of Corinth having a lot of trouble. We were talking when we were talking in chapter three about the building example example of building upon the the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ. The church at Corinth had a lot of problems. Some were saying they were followers of Paul. Some were followers of Apollos. Some were followers of Christ. They were a divided body in that sense. And then not only above and beyond that, Corinth was a cosmopolitan city of the day. It was at a juncture uh, between the Middle East and between uh, the portions of Europe. Even at that time, different peoples, different languages, different cultures all coming together at the seaport city of Corinth, where you had different peoples that, that spoke different languages, that had different cultures that came together there. And all of these cultures are come together in the church. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the church was meant to be, and, and you can say that from, from this. Not only has he told us in Romans and Ephesians about Jews and Gentiles being together, but now at Corinth you've got multiple portions of Gentiles that come from different tribes and different countries and different areas, and they're all come together there, and they speak different languages. And they have different customs, and they have different tongues, if you will. And they uh, some can speak more than one language, and some can't. And now they're all getting up there, and they're all trying to speak at the same time. And it's confusion. <laughs> confusion in the church. They're even having, in the 11th chapter of uh, First Corinthians, it talks about they're coming together, and because of the various gods that worshipped by the various cultures, now they begin to think and take the communion as being a time when they come together to eat, to feast, and to drink wine and get drunk at the church. <laughs> he says these things shouldn't be. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you be, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles, carried away into your dumb idols, even as ye were led. So it, now he begins to kind of preface this, saying, you were Gentiles, you were raised up, you had all these idols, different cultures you worshipped among yourselves. And he says, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that word accursed there is talking about something that's been sacrificed to God and then been placed in a place of honor, if you would. And so he says, no man can say that you're sacrificed or that Jesus is a sacrifice that was cursed because of the work he did, you can't say that, uh, and that no man by the uh, no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So uh, he tells us now, and he says, now there are diversities of gift, but same Spirit. In other words, so people may have different callings here among the church members. Different things that God's called you to. Something we, we probably haven't ever talked about that much. But, you know, maybe you've had an impression of some things that God is calling you, calling you to do. I would say this. 
uh, just like the the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5, he says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Don't automatically assume uh, because you have this sense and this feeling that this needs to be done that God's actually talking to you. It could be your flesh talking to you. It could be uh, uh, Satan himself trying to influence you to cause trouble and to stir up trouble in the body. Uh, But he tells us here uh, uh, that there are diversities of gifts, but one spirit. So if, uh, if there's one spirit here in the church and we're all unified together, and suddenly people have got 40 different ideas about what needs to be done, it's probably not the Spirit of God working in everyone, okay? So he says uh, there's diversities of gifts, uh, but the same Spirit. So if the same Spirit is working through the diversities of gifts that are in the church, they're all going to be moving in the same direction. They're all going to be working together. They might not all be doing the same thing, But they're going to be working together. They're going to be working together for the things of God. So he says there are diversities of gifts, uh, uh, but, uh, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations. That word administration simply means ministries. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. All of you might not minister in the same way. Some of you may do minister with phone calls. Some of you may minister with your presence. Some may minister with food. Some may minister in other ways. Whatever your way of ministering to other people is, he says, there are differences of administrations, but same Lord. God's working in all of you just because you don't do, you know, how many times have you seen people criticize? Well, they don't do it like I would do it, right? Well, so what? If they're working together for the same efforts, for the same cause to minister to other people, uh, and God is working through them to minister in their way, let them do it their way. Let them do it their way. God will bless the whole body together. There are diversities of operations, uh, uh, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. That operation actually talks about execution of it, uh, and uh, carrying it out, working. So there are diversities of operations or workings, but it's the same God. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the so the the way God works in you and the way God works in me and the way God works in the person next to you here in the church, it's all for the profit of the body, for the profit of the church. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Y'all have probably seen this. I think uh, I've experienced this some myself. You know, some people just seem to have more wisdom. Uh, when it comes to things of God's word and how to apply it in their lives, seek them out. God's given them, if God's given them the gift of wisdom, God's given them the gift of knowledge. Uh, uh, I marvel. I, I personally marvel. Uh, it, 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 you know, Brother Adam, Brother Adam, I know he's probably his neck's hurting this morning or whatever, and so he's not feeling well and all this kind of, but, but I marvel at the knowledge he's gained in the time that I've known him about the Word of God. Oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, let's see if I guess here real close. Uh, Brother Adam's got to be about 33. 33. I was ordained when I was 33. Yeah. I don't. I didn't hardly know anything then. I don't know much more now. Sometimes I think. But, you know, uh, when I look at what God has blessed him with at the age... And I'll tell you, if, he, if God keeps him humble and keeps him in the right manner, in the, in the right spirit, in the way he uses the knowledge that God's given him, what a blessing it's going to be for this church. What a blessing it's going to be for his family and so forth. So God gives to some the spirit of wisdom, uh, to others uh, the word of knowledge by the same of guilt, uh, by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. You know, some people just seem to have faith built into them more so than maybe other people do. Some people are a little more fearful. Some people are a little more uh, timid about things of God and say, you know, God's working in this. We're uh, I don't know, between y'all and between our family and so forth, it seems like I'm constantly trying to work and talk to people. Just trust God. Just continue to be in prayer. Continue to look for Him, guide your life, to direct you. Uh, This job didn't happen. This didn't happen in your life. 
some reason, maybe God didn't want that to happen in your life. Have you been praying about it? Yes, I've been praying about it. Well, that, that door didn't open. Maybe there was a reason why that door didn't open. A, a door does open up. Maybe that's where God needs you more, even though you can't see it, to, uh, than, what, to, than what you thought. You know, maybe your thoughts weren't that clear on all of that. Step into that. Take, embrace that. Maybe God's leading you, leading your life in some way. So he tells us here, God, God works in different ways. To one, he gives the spirit of the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing. And that, uh, that looking, uh, yeah. Uh, people have gifts of, of, uh, of applying medications and so forth to people in their lives. And that's somewhat what's behind that word. Yes, healing people and working with people. Some, some of the best doctors I've ever, I felt like I've ever met, I think it was more than just a job to them. It was actually something God actually had called them to. Some of the best nurses I've ever met, they, they actually had a desire to be in there working and laboring and helping people. I've met some that was just a job, too. <laughs> a job, also. Uh, and you could tell that in the way they conducted themselves. And, and you know, maybe that's, that's okay. But I'm telling you, God actually calls people into certain things to give them the gifts of doing that. Uh, not everybody can sit in, a, sit in a room and hold somebody's hand while they're dying. Not everybody can come in and out and, and minister to people that they know they're on their deathbed and, and yet be able to still be compassionate and kind and caring and loving. And Not everybody can do that. And so when you find people that have that gift, recognize there's gifts that God's given for healing people and working with people and laboring with people. So he says to another, the working of miracles. Uh, uh, yes, uh, sometimes it seems like miracles happen through the grace and mercy of God. And you say, well, Brother Charles, tell me about this. I, I'm not sure I can explain it. I'm just telling you, God says he gives to some the working of miracles. And so uh, uh, the gift of uh, the working of miracles to another prophecy. And yes, uh, yeah, it's gonna, we're going to draw this thing to a close again here on another Sunday. But uh, look at all these gifts that God gives to the body. Prophecy, that word prophecy basically means the teaching of the things of the prophets, uh, uh, that there are those that can prophesy. Uh, we can look back over at the book of Daniel. I can tell you very clearly there are things that are coming out here that we don't understand. Charles doesn't understand it yet, but I know it's coming, and I know one thing I can prophesy by the Word of God. He's coming back. I can tell you for a fact he's coming back, and I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, it's only known to the Father, but he's coming back, and I can prophesy to that to you by the Word of God. And as we continue to study the prophets and the teachings of the ones that uh, talked about these future events and the apostles, I can prophesy to you things that are going to come. So, he tells us now, so some he gives miracles to others, uh, another prophecy to another discerning of spirits. Uh, you know, there there are people that can sense, I, I, you know, there are people that seem to can just sense, uh, you know, is the kind of the kind of heart and spirit that people have. Uh, I'm not saying I've got that. I, I, you know, you know, he tells us in a, in a place to desire the best gifts. Well, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with desiring that God give give us certain gifts. He may not do that. <laughs> uh, but there's nothing wrong with desiring the very best gifts. The best gifts come from God. So to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Uh, all of these working that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. God gives gifts according to the, what he desires. <laughs> God calls one man into the ministry because that's someone he wants to call in the ministry. He calls another person to, uh, to have the ability to go out and minister to another out to healing and all those kind of things. God gives the gift he desires severally as he will. For as, for as the body is one and hath many, many members and all members of one body being many are, are one body, so also is Christ. And we'll stop there. It's, it's good to know sometimes, some people might look around and say, you know, well, I don't understand why God calls this person into this gift, into this office. Nope, you probably don't. I probably don't either. I have no idea why, why God ever called a young, a young guy like me uh, back during the day and called me into the ministry. I have no idea. Uh, but I know he did. <laughs> and and uh, somehow God has managed to take what, what little dab I had 
and and managed to help me to serve people now for close to uh, close to thirty years, uh, and during that time go to far-reaching countries uh, that Charles would have never thought about ever going, much less uh, going and helping establish the first primitive Baptist church in Tanzania. I would have never dreamed as a young man, God somehow had some of these things out there in front of me. And I say all that to you to say, you know, we may not know what God's got there, got out in front of you, you for you. Wow. I mean, it kind of, to me, that get, you know, if I'd actually thought like that 40 years ago, I think life, would I have been a little scared? Maybe. Uh, but what I thought life was bigger was a bigger adventure. Yeah, uh, I don't know what adventures God's got out in front of you, but all of us using these gifts and callings together, one body, one spirit, one mind, one effort, we can be the vision of the church that God ca- called us to be. That's what the subject of this the series of messages is. What's God's vision for the church? Oh man, it's a diversity of gifts working together, laboring together, letting your part shine and not being jealous of this part or that part or some other part and everybody working and walking and called to your vocation, serving God and being disciples here of His in this old world. I get excited just thinking about it. So uh, as we think about this in the coming days and weeks, uh, let's all be examining ourselves, saying, what am I, what, what's my role in all this? I don't know, Lord. Pray about it. Be, pray, be in prayer about it. What's my role? What's my, what part of the body am I? Am I, am I the right leg or the left leg or the, uh, the ears? You know, maybe I'm here for hearings. Maybe I'm here to be more wisdom. Maybe my gift is wisdom and knowledge healing, whatever it might be. You know, there's people, I'll, I'll say that, I'll go back around this loop. Yeah, we talked about medical, we're kind of thinking medically a minute ago, thinking about healing. You know, there's some people that can come up and just kind of heal your heart with just the right word at just the right time when you need somebody that's, that cares about you and you just need that word that heals your heart. There's all kinds of gifts God has given people Find your role and get in there and go for it. May God bless you is our prayer.